Well, good morning, everybody. For all of those that are online and listening, we appreciate you listening. And good morning to Free Life family. Um, Michelle says hi. I know she's at home sitting on the couch, probably drinking coffee with two dogs and two cats next to her, but that's okay. But, uh, <laughs> but it is a privilege. I have the privilege this morning of bringing the word, and it really is a privilege in very uncertain times. Um, know that they will pass, and one day we will be back together and to worship together, to hear the word together, to pray together, to minister together, to have communion together. And I look forward to that. But uh, at the moment, it's not happening. But as Clayton said, the word of God is unchained. Even when Paul was in prison, he said that he wrote many letters from prison and the impact it has, and I pray that the word this morning will have impact into your homes, into your lives, into your hearts, and into your families. I really do pray that. Like many of you, um, we're trying to get God's perspective. I don't know about you, but I have said, God, speak to me. Speak to me. And I know many people have heard, believe God has spoken to them. I've had many emails, uh, some videos, some clips come to me. I haven't listened to many because I didn't want to do uh, mess with my mind and what I wanted to say today. And um, unfortunately, sometimes some things can be a little unhelpful, but I pray this morning won't be unhelpful. And so what I want to focus on is two things today. The first thing is just a sentence, that's all. First of all, I encourage you in this season to lean into the goodness of God. Lean into the goodness of of God. The second thing I want to focus on is, I was in the shower, sorry for the imagery, but I find that God speaks to me quite a bit in the shower, I think because you're busy with something and so um, it's like God can break through. And I just, a couple of weeks ago, I just felt him say, for this season, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And there's a scripture that immediately came to mind that I've read many times. It's in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to get to that in shortly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you want to get your Bibles and your coffee and whatever, if you can go get that and maybe a pen and a paper or, well, that maybe for those 65 and over, maybe your cell phone or computer. And um, if you want to make notes, we appreciate that. This is a big deal, as Clayton would say. Not to lose heart. It is a big deal. Why? Because this season will come to an end. And how we work through the season or how we respond in this season will be key to what's going to come in the next season. That's why we mustn't lose heart. Because our response is key in terms of what's happening right now. And so it's important that we position ourselves and continue to position ourselves for what God's going to do. And God is going to do some amazing things. Michelle and I actually, I would say, super excited, not for what's happening, for people losing jobs. Unfortunately, some people passing away. Uh, people don't have finance, possibly, or just what's happening. We're not super excited about that, but we're super excited about what God's going to do out of this. Because I believe with all my heart, He's going to do quite amazing things. They're going to come out of this. And so that's why we don't want to lose heart. We really don't want to lose heart. Every book I've read on revival or every account I've read on revival on outpourings, just before the outpouring of God, just before the revival break, the things in the natural were bleak. They were not good. 
and yet God came. Even in Acts 7, you don't have to turn there. We can see where Paul is persecuted, uh, Stephen is, is um, persecuted and is killed through persecution. And it says that Saul, or Paul, Saul, was given his consent to this. And then in chapter 8, it says, and great persecution, great persecution came upon the church in Jerusalem. And many were scattered. It's amazing. The apostles didn't scatter, but all the believers scattered. And if you see what happened out of that scattering, where Philip went into Samaria, and as he started to preach, a revival came into that city with many signs and wonders. It was out of great persecution that this revival came. And then we see that God not only brought joy to that city and turned the city around, he sends Philip to one man, a eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, who was a very powerful man. And so he got saved, and imagine the influence he had. So we, that's just an example of it in terms of what God does out of some tough times. So I want to say to you, please, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. It wouldn't surprise me if there's tremendous healings and salvations that come as, out of this worldwide. I know many people pray for their cities, their nations, the area you're in, but this is a worldwide thing that's happening. And so I believe that there's a worldwide outpouring coming. I honestly do. Scripture clearly says, first the natural, then the spiritual. And you can read that in 1 Corinthians 15, 46. It says the spiritual, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. So right through the Bible, we're given examples of this. You have Ishmael and you have Isaac. Ishmael was of the natural. Isaac was the son of promise. In Genesis 13, 17, God said to Abram, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. You see, it was in the natural. The covenant was made in the natural, in the flesh. That was a circumcision that took place. But the Bible says in Colossians that in the New Testament, it's a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. So it's first the natural, then the Spirit. So it wouldn't surprise me that this is a natural pandemic happening. There's a spiritual outpouring that's coming. I want to read a prophecy by Smith Wigglesworth that somebody sent me recently. That is a word given by Smith Wigglesworth to Lester Sumrall in 1939. With tears rolling down his face, this was just before World War II, with tears rolling down his face, Smith cried out saying, I probably won't see you again now. My job is almost finished. As he continued to pray, he cried, I see it, I see it. Brother Summerall asked, what do you see? What do you see? He said, I see a healing revival coming right after World War II. It will be so easy to get people healed. I see it, I see it. I won't be here for it, but you will be. And there was a revival of healing right after the Second World War. He continued to prophesy, I see another I see people of all different denominations being filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the charismatic revival. Then Brother Smigglesworth said, I see another move of God. 
I see auditoriums full of people coming with notebooks. There will be a wave of teaching on faith and healing. And we did experience that wave. And we called it the Word of Faith movement. Then he prophesied. After that, after the third wave, he started sobbing. I see the last day revival that's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the Spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet Earth. I see hospitals being emptied out, and they will bring the sick to the churches where they allow the Holy Spirit to move. What an encouraging word. And it wouldn't surprise me if we're going to enter into something of that and begin to see that. So, if you can take hold of your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's five times in the New Testament that this phrase is used, do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I actually marked it with all things. So. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm not going to talk on all five times. I just want to mention three. All right, so if you go to chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So what is Paul saying here? If you read chapter 3, Paul is saying he's comparing the Old Testament glory, how the glory came with what is happening in the New Testament. He's saying in the Old Testament, the glory of God came with tremendous mountain shaking, uh, lightning, uh, peals of thunder, and it even came upon Moses, but that glory faded. That's what it says. That glory faded. How much more the ministry of the Spirit? And that's what he's saying. Therefore, through, since, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, do not lose heart, because it's the ministry of the Spirit of the living God. It's a ministry that He does inside of us that no eye can see, but it is real and it never fades. We actually go from one degree of glory to the next. So that's why He's saying, don't lose heart, no matter your circumstances. God is at work. Sometimes you can't see him, but he's at work deep inside you. And if you go down to verse 16, it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Second time in one chapter. That outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we've been renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Now, I'm not saying what people are going through is pleasant. I'm not saying that. They're not light some difficult moments. But Paul is trying to make a point here that when we go through something in the natural that is not easy, God is busy at work within us. And that's what he's saying. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what, so, sorry, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but is what is unseen is eternal. It's an amazing scripture, such an encouraging scripture. So we can see that Paul is saying from verse 1 to verse 16, between those two phrases, do not lose heart, he talks about things that happened to him. He talks about how he was hard-pressed. He talks about how he was crushed and perplexed. He talks about he wasn't in despair, but he was persecuted, not abandoned. He was struck down, but not destroyed. 
He talks about some of the hardships he went through. But he said in all that time, he focused on Jesus. And that's the key. Focus on Jesus Christ in what is happening through you. And then he's saying, although something was happening to me, two things begin to happen. He said, first of all, God was changing me from one degree of glory to the next. And secondly, in verse 13, he says, and I will speak of his goodness. If you go read it there, it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke with the same spirit of, same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak. So my encouragement to you is that even in this time, as God is changing you from one degree of glory, don't be afraid to speak of who God is. Speak to yourself. Speak of his goodness. Speak of his grace. God has not changed, people. God has not changed. <laughs> Things are changing in the natural, in the world, as difficult as it is, but God has not changed. God is God. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He watches over us. He watches over us. God has not changed. And God will turn this situation for good. I'm utterly convinced of it for all those who believe in him. So what does it mean for you and I at this particular point in time in all that Paul is saying over here? How many of you, because the word do not lose heart literally means this to give in to trouble, to be exasperated by difficulty, be defeated in spirit, or discouraged. It's amazing that word discouraged, because when Moses, when God came to Moses, the thing is in Exodus 6, and he said to Moses, go tell the people, I will do this, I will do that, I will rescue them, I will deliver them, I will take them in, I will give them a promised land. He said, now go tell the people that. And then Moses went to the people and he told them all that God said, but the Bible said they were so discouraged they could not hear what he said. That's what discouragement does. It blocks our ears. That's why I'm encouraging us not to lose heart, not to lose heart. So it's to give in to trouble, to be exasperated by difficulty, be, be defeated in spirit or be discouraged. So how many are you feeling exasperated by what's happening? Maybe your children are at home. And uh, things can be a little tense with the kids running around 24-7. And so there's an expiration that's like exasperation that begins to, to rise up in you. Maybe there's been a loss of income. Maybe some people have lost businesses. There's incredible uncertainty. There's tension in your home. And I'm encouraged. I'm saying to you, do not let your heart lose faith. I really am encouraging you in these times. Things on the inside begin to rise to the surface when the pressure comes. And discouragement wants to come and knock at the door of our heart. But Paul tells us the answer to this. In verse 18 he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he says, Therefore I will speak. So no matter what's happening in your home, no matter how uh, perplexed you might feel, know that God is changing you from one degree of glory to the next in this time, because that's what the Word says. So I'm encouraging you, do not lose heart. That's the first one I want to talk about. The second one is you can go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. 
says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man sows to please his sinful nature. From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will read eternal life. Let us not become weary. The root Greek word is do not lose heart. It's the same phraseology. In actual fact, in New King James, it says, do not grow weary. It's a better way of translation. Clayton will like me to say that. <laughs> the New King James is a better translation because you're doing something, but then you grow weary from doing it. You lose heart. That's why it says grow weary. And then let's carry on. So do, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, Paul says something similar. He says, never tire of doing what is right. And he had just written to that church about the second coming of Christ. And there were people that were believing he was about to return, so they didn't go and work. They were just what Paul calls them busybodies. They were just going from house to house, not working, and just eating off people. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You need to do something. You need to do some work. But don't tire of doing good. And Paul is saying the same thing here, that we mustn't grow weary from the work doing these works. Now, these good works cannot justify us. They cannot sanctify us. It's an overflow of being changed from one degree of glory to the next. It's an overflow of the Spirit of God that is working within us because Paul goes back and he lists the fruits of the Spirit. And he's saying, as we have opportunity come our way, let there be an overflow of the work that God is doing in you to help others to encourage others as the opportunity arises, especially to those who believe. And so um, that would be my encouragement to us, that as God gives us opportunity to do good, let's do good. Let's help those that need help. Um, often people will equate spiritual people when they see signs and wonders, <clears throat> and we love signs and wonders, or miracles or healings. But to know if you're walking by the Spirit... Look at the fruits of the Spirit. That's how you know you're walking by the Spirit. Because the signs and wonders are a gift. It's not equal spirituality. That's why he goes on to exp explain what the fruits of the Spirit are. And he says, therefore, if you live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And that's how we'll know. As we have opportunity to do good, it's an overflow of what God is doing within us. And so it's a life led by the Spirit, and we look for. So verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So do not lose heart in doing good, people. I'm encouraging you. Do not lose heart in encouraging other people. Do not lose heart in sending texts or emails or picking up the phone. Do not lose heart in trying to help people financially. Praise the Lord, we're going to get a stimulus package. Hallelujah. Maybe say, Lord, is this somebody you want me to help with this? Do it in wisdom. But that way we're doing good. That way we, when the opportunity arises, we continue to reach out to others, to help others, encourage others, serve others, give to others. We prepare our lives. We position ourselves for what's coming down the line. All right, and the third one, let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke 
if you can. Luke chapter 18. If you need to get more coffee to stay awake, by all means. All right, so Luke 18, verse 1. When Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's the same word, do not lose heart. In New King James, Clayton Alakas as well, actually says, do not lose heart. It's the same word used in 2 Corinthians and in Galatians, exactly the same word. So we're going to read a bit of this parable now. So Jesus told two parables about prayer. One is in Luke 11, which we're not going to touch on. It's amazing teaching that. And one is this one here. And so we need to have a look at why he's saying we mustn't lose heart. Because he didn't say it about the other parable in Luke 11, but he says it about this one. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be exasperated by what's happening around you when you see with your natural eye things are not going well. So very simply, if we read, Jay, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off or keep delaying them? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is about justice. Many of Jesus' parables, so I'm just going to get a, a tissue, excuse me. Many of Jesus' parables were about seed or soil or trees or sheep. This terminology is a court of law. It's a judge, it's justice, and adversary. That's what it is. And justice, to use Clayton's terminology, is a big deal in the eyes of the Lord. A very big deal. It's over 500 times justice is spoken about in the Bible. 500 times. Why? Because Psalm 92, verse 97, verse 2, and Psalm 89, verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. That's what it says. And we know about 2,000 years ago, a decree was issued from the judgment seat of God, not against men, against the evil one. That's where the justice, that's what this is about. It's not justice against mankind. It's justice against the evil one as he's invaded your life. See, he can, the evil one can only affect your life in two ways. You either invite him, by what you do, or the way you think, the lies, or he invades. He intrudes into your life. And so Jesus is saying yeah, when the evil one is intruded into your life and stolen something from you, taken something from you, or you've been slandered, or whatever the case is, the Bible says we can cry out to God for justice. 
Justice is not ours. It's not against people. You have to understand that. Justice is against the work of the enemy. We can go before a righteous judge and ask for judgment, and he will repay us seven times. That's what the Bible says. But there's keys to this justice. Number one, justice is not revenge. Justice is not revenge. It's not trying to get someone back. Uh, please understand that. Number two, God and God alone is the one who initiates the justice, and he dispenses it the way he chooses. We don't decide that. We don't decide the way he does that. Number three, we need to be innocent before him. What do I mean by that? We need to be walking in forgiveness with our Father in heaven and forgiveness this way. It's very important. Forgiveness and forgiveness is a big key when it comes to justice. It really does. When we don't forgive somebody, we make ourselves the judge. I say it again. When we don't forgive someone, we make ourselves the judge. And we are not. God is the only judge. And so we need to give, forgive people and we need to be walking in forgiveness. In other words, live up to date with God. Repent if you need to. If you need to put things right in your life, put things right in your life. To the degree we're innocent is the degree that God can act on our behalf. And we're innocent because of Jesus, not because of what we did. But let us stay updated with that, if you know what I mean. So put right every day. In my terminology, I say keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. And then number four is you have to ask for the justice. And you have to keep on asking. That's why Jesus said, well, they cry out day and night. Cry out day and night. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 30 that says, I'm going to read it to you, where it tells us that God wastes, waits for us to ask. Verse 18 says this, Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So God is waiting for us to ask. That's why that woman, that would have knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked. I don't know what the unrighteous judge was doing because the Bible says he neither feared God nor man, but she persisted. Lord, give us justice in this time. Give us justice in this hour against the work of the enemy. God did not start this pandemic, people. You've got to know that. So, Lord, we come into you. We're crying out for justice. And we leave it in your hands. And often a time when somebody has slandered you and you take it before the Lord, I have found it says, pray for them. Bless them. And then sometimes God does an amazing work in you. And if that's the justice he's meriting, that's wonderful news. Wonderful news. Because if we go back to the 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4 that I started with, Paul says that although something's happening in me, there's life that is happening in you. So when we go through tough times and we don't lose heart, there's not only change from degree to glory to glory, but life is imparted to others. That's how it works. That's the kingdom. It's wonderful. So I'm encouraging you. 
Don't lose heart in this time. I'm really encouraging you. Don't lose heart. Allow him to take you from one degree of glory to the next. Allow him to do the work that he wants to do in you. Allow him to position you for what's coming down the road. Allow him to bring some sense of maturity and character formation because that's what trials and tribulations do. The Bible clearly says that. God uses those things to bring some maturity into our lives. So why? So we can carry and dispense the grace that is put in our life in a loving way. The Bible says the only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. Galatians 5, 6. Faith expressed in love. So my encouragement to you is don't lose heart. Let him take you from one degree of glory to the next. As you have opportunity, help others, serve others, give to others. As opportunity comes your way, maybe ask God, as I said, Lord, who do you want us to phone or encourage? And the Bible says, don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in doing good. And then thirdly, I'm going to encourage you to pray. Pray. It's a real great time to pray. And pray in particular for God to grant you justice. Ask the Lord for God to give you the justice where you feel the evil one has invaded your life. You haven't invited him. He's invaded your life. He's stolen stuff from you. He's taken stuff from you. So that's my encouragement to you. I appreciate you all. I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity of sharing your word. I pray you have been encouraged. I pray we'll keep our eyes in the right place. Uh, We need to be aware of what's going on, but we need to keep our eyes in the right place. That's why I said the video early in the week about your way we think is very important. So I want to pray for us. I wonder if you could, where you're sitting or standing or you're drinking your coffee, if you could put it down. If you could take the person's hand next to you, if you're comfortable with that. If you could close your eyes. If you could just do that and just focus. If the kids are running around, it's fine. If the dogs are barking, it's fine. Whatever. If you can just focus. Just take a moment to focus. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray even now where people are seated or standing, wherever people are listening, let your presence flood into them, Lord. Let your presence come into that room. Let there no peace for those that are troubled. Father, let us all know that you're with us. I pray, Lord, give us the ability and the strength to keep focused in the right place, to look for opportunities to help others, and to continue to come before you, the righteous judge, because your foundation is one of righteousness and justice. And you said that love and faithfulness go before you. Love and faithfulness go before you. We thank you, Lord. Let us not lose heart. Position us so that we may take hold of and walk into this wonderful next season that is coming down the line. In Jesus' name, amen.